Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Finding Your Freedom podcast. It is so amazing to have you here, and I'm super excited about today's episode. Um, Yeah, I've recently just did an Instagram live on neuroscience topics um, on my Instagram. It was all about stress and epigenetics and, you know, just talking about what happens in the brain with stress and really breaking it down to a level that I feel like everyone can understand. Um, And, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty proud of myself. I think I did a good job breaking it down. And honestly, it was really hard. It was really hard to to break down things that I know at such a deep level and make them a little bit easier to understand. So I'm super excited for starting to do that. And I would love if you listen to, I don't know, send me a DM on Instagram or an email, or if you have any questions, please reach out to me. Um, I'm really excited to start talking more about science on here and kind of making it on a level that everyone can understand because I think all humans deserve to understand more about their brain. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Um, It's going to be a whole series on the podcast and there will be more neuroscience topics to come on the podcast, more neuroscience Instagram lives and just kind of integrating spirituality and neuroscience and just topics that you know everyone's excited about and interested about and I want to talk about so I'm really really excited to bring that to you guys as far as you know any other life updates Um, I'm still looking for another coaching client so send me an email or a dm if you're interested, I am still moving to New York. <laughs> Not sure when. It's all it's all unfolding, but I definitely will do an episode soon on moving and I don't know, all the all the fears that come up and things people say when you're moving to places and just more an episode about my experience in Boston. So that will be coming up soon. Um, yeah, and if you've been listening and like the show, it would really mean a lot to me if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and a written review, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, and if you send me a screenshot of your written review on Instagram, um, I just will voice memo you a bunch of compliments and who doesn't want that? So yeah. We can get into today's episode, like I said, all about stress and epigenetics. I'm so excited for you guys to hear more about it. Hey guys, Um, I'm so excited to be going live again. I can't believe 
the last time was was in December. Um, yeah, it feels like December was like two seconds ago. I'm really confused how it's April 4th. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited to be to be going live. Um, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about today, it's, it's stress, epigenetics. This is going to be saved, so if you don't have time to watch it, you can always watch it later. And I kind of just want to talk about this from, you know, like any type of audience, you know, someone that's, you know, never had like a college level biology class or anything like that. I just want to break all of this down for you guys, throw in a little bit of neuroscience and just kind of explain that, talk about what epigenetics is. And if you have any questions, put them in the chat box and feel free to, you know, once I post this, post questions or send me a DM. But yeah, (laughs) I'm super excited to talk about this and thanks everyone that is on live right now. Hopefully more people will join, but I am super excited to talk about this and wanted to for the past four months I think so yeah why why am I talking about stress and epigenetics and all of these things I think they're super relevant to the past year we've had anyway but just if you don't if you don't really know me or my story or why I'm talking about this um I have master's in neuroscience from Tulane University, super passionate about neuroscience, and I'm really interested in stress and trauma and how how that changes the brain, how that changes our lives, and, you know, what we can do to heal that, <laughs> especially after, you know, the past year everyone has had. I think this is a super important conversation. Um, and yeah, I'm just super passionate about kind of the intersection, the intersection of science and spirit. So I feel like neuroscience is that amazing intersection point of, you know, bringing together the brain and the body and, you know, all these amazing, unique things that make the human experience what it is. You know, neuroscience provides a window into that to explain you know, complex human behaviors and why we do the things we do and allows us to have more awareness over our patterns and our life and the different things that we do. So, so yeah, I love neuroscience. I love spirituality and I love, I love that in the spiritual community, you know, people are mentioning neuroscience things. I think that's really awesome and exciting. So I just want to bring some more light to these topics and also just if you're just a random person that's maybe interested in you know what happens when I'm stressed what is going on in my brain and my body I know when I'm stressed um I feel like shit I don't think rationally like what is happening when all of this is happening wave at (laughs) some of the people that joined so yeah that is what I'm going to be talking about today and yeah I guess I'll go ahead and get into it um yeah so everyone knows (laughs) what it's like when you're stressed it doesn't feel good um I think we can all agree on that so when when you're stressed 
Thanks for the hearts. <laughs> when we are stressed out, there is a response that I'm sure a lot of people have kind of heard thrown around, which is the fight or flight response. Um, and there's also a hormonal response that is occurring. So I wish I had like a little like board that I could draw this. But just think of think of your brain and your brain has nerves that connect to the rest of your body that elicit hormonal and neural effects in the body. So something I just really want to get across too is the normal example that people use when talking about stress is you're in, I don't know, you're in a jungle or you're on a walk or I don't on a hike, probably not on a walk and depending where you live and you see a lion and your stress response gets activated. That is the typical the typical thing that is used as an example, but I just really want to make the point that what can trigger a stress response is external, like external, <laughs> external stimuli can trigger a stress response, but also your own thoughts can trigger a stress response. So we're going to go into the brain for a second, go back to basic biology, talk about cells to explain this. So I think Hopefully everyone knows kind of what a cell is. Um, in the nervous system, the cells of the nervous system are neurons. Neurons communicate to each other in the brain. That is how things get done and messages are sent throughout the brain to orchestrate all of human life that is occurring, basically. Um, there is a, an electrical sim <laughs> symbol, an electrical signal in the brain. And there's also a chemical signal, which is a neurotransmitter. That is how the brain is communicating. So I'm going to mainly talk about three brain areas today. You don't need to know what they are or really have a great idea, but I'm just going to break it down to three main brain areas that are important in the stress response. Um, so I'm going to talk about the prefrontal cortex. You can think about that as the front of your brain that is like your thinking brain that is stressing out about that math test next week or you think your boyfriend's gonna break up with you that is the prefrontal cortex so think of that um the amygdala that's more the back of your brain theoretically <laughs> but um that is your emotional center that is kind of where this this fear gets triggered um and then another part of the brain probably going to talk about four actually, is the hypothalamus. And this is the part of the brain that orchestrates hormonal responses. Um, another area, the hippocampus is involved in memories. So that's the prefrontal cortex, thoughts, amygdala, emotions, hippocampus, memories, hypothalamus, triggering triggering hormonal responses in the body just to break it down that simply so when you are triggered a stress response happens this can be an outside stimuli um, getting attacked by a bear um, your partner your friend saying mean things to you <laughs> whatever this whatever this might be that is your trigger on the outside a trigger can also be in your mind, in your prefrontal cortex, thinking about something that is going to happen. Not, um, it's not always outside. 
And it can also be you thinking about something that's going to happen, pathways to the hippocampus where your memories are stored, you know, those relating a loop there um, to have you thinking about memories that are triggering this response as well. So it can be outside experiences, you just having thoughts, you thinking about past memories that trigger a stress response. So in the brain, (laughs) the brain is connected by electrical circuits. Like I said, there is an electrical and a chemical communication between different areas of the brain. Oh, you guys doing all the hearts and saying amazing. It just makes me happy. Thank, thank everyone who's listening to this and is getting something out of this. Please add questions. I'm looking at the comments now. But yeah, so in your brain, brain areas are connected by circuits, electrical circuits. So think about the hypothalamus, which would trigger a hormonal stress response being connected to the amygdala, the hippocampus, the prefrontal cortex, and they're all just talking. They're taking in information and thinking about information and deciding the best response to keep your body safe. So, hi Jennifer, I'm going to wave at you, but um, they're just talking in the brain. So let's use an example of not an external stimulus, but something that might be common to all of us. We have a meeting with our boss, we have a test next week, we're laying in bed at night, and our mind is thinking about, oh my god, I have this test next week, I'm going to fail, or like, oh my god, I have this meeting with my boss, and I don't know how it's going to go, blah, 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 blah. And that pathway from your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that thinks about these types of things and reasons, has pathways to the amygdala that triggers, triggers this fear then that is also connected to the hypothalamus. So after that thought, and keep this all in mind, that this is, you know, this is seconds. This is very fast that parts of your brain are communicating with each other. (laughs) Would you recommend DMT? I will get to that later. Um, (laughs) But this is happening very fast. So you're thinking about this conversation with your boss or a test. What if you feel like that all the time? Is that anxiety? Okay, I'm going to get to that in a second. So that is happening in your brain. That connection to the amygdala, which is the sphere center, also has connections to the hypothalamus. And in this experience of stress, you're going to have an autonomic nervous system fight or flight response. And this is going to be, you know, this is the, um, the electrical signals, the nerves connecting in our body, this response. Um, And then there's also going to be a hormonal response that follows later in the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus, let me know if this is getting too sciencey, but the hypothalamus controls hormonal responses in the body. One way that the body and the brain are connected, the hypothalamus is connected to the pituitary, and this triggers hormonal responses to different organ systems in different areas in the brain. So your fight or flight response gets triggered. And the first thing that happens is these neural impulses that go to your spinal cord and release, you know, the typical things we would say are, you know, release adrenaline, noradrenaline, 
So this is all happening extremely fast. This this happens, these things are released, and you start to feel the effects of stress. You start, your heart rate increases, your blood pressure increases, um, you start to get kind of sweaty, <laughs> um, your muscles get tense because you're supposed to be mobilized to fight a threat in your environment. Um your blood flow is going to your muscles, like I said. So your muscles are getting tense, and it's going away from your digestive system. So um, not a good time to digest food <laughs> when you're feeling like this. You're ready to mount an attack. Um, and then there is also a hormonal spot response that is going on where um, different hormones that are related to cortisol being released. So <laughs> this access, this hormonal access is usually called the HPA access. That is the hypothalamus, which I mentioned before, pituitary adrenal access. The adrenal gland is the gland that um, produces cortisol, puts that into the body. That is typically called the stress hormone. So you have epinephrine, norepinephrine, cortisol, you have hormones and neurotransmitters and neurotransmitters acting as hormones in your body, you are very activated. And this is actually a really good thing in the short term. Let me look at the questions. Would you recommend DMT? That I'm going to get to at the end. What if you feel like that all the time? Is that just anxiety? Okay, I'm going to answer that really quickly, if that is what you feel like all the time. I would like, if you're still on this, to kind of expand what you mean by all the time. Um, are you able to have awareness when this is happening and being triggered, or do you feel that stressed all the time? Um, that's That's definitely possible. I've had periods of time in my life that I felt super anxious all the time and was able to have the awareness that this was something that was getting triggered in my body um, and to take any shame away from feeling anxious all the time and also learn more about my triggers and relaxation practices and ways to alleviate <laughs> some of these feelings. I'll also get to that at the end. But like I said, have the awareness that the stress feels inevitable since there's so much to do. Interesting. Okay. We'll get to that at the end on how we can kind of work to moderate our stress response when it happens. Oh, and also with your question, I'm like, maybe you should take some things out of your life if that's, if that's possible as well. Um, one day at a time, anxiety is real and I'm sorry that you're struggling, but in the short term, this is actually really good. This is good for your body. Short-term stress, you know, it mobilizes you if there really is an attack to fight. It mobilizes you to, I don't know, prepare for that meeting with your boss. It mobilizes you to, to study more for that test. And there's this kind of idea of, you know, a, a threshold of stress. Like a certain amount of stress allows you to perform and then it can get to too much where that becomes can you speak to the latest thinking on triggers yes okay 
I'll speak on that, but also I'm just going to say short-term stress, good, long-term stress, bad. And I'm about to talk about some of the negative effects of long-term stress. So can you speak to the latest thinking on triggers? Uh, I think you need to kind of expand on that question because I'm not sure exactly what you mean. Um, But what I would say about that is that we typically think of the typical example of your stress response being triggered as as an outside stimuli and our brain processing that outside stimuli like a I don't know a mountain lion or an actual lion or whatever that might be but you know as humans with our big prefrontal cortex we have the ability to worry and see into the future and make up fake scenarios and worry about things that is happening in our prefrontal cortex we're thinking about things that is making us stressed out there are connections from the prefrontal cortex to our amygdala. Our amygdala is the fear center. Those thoughts trigger trigger this fear center. Could also be connected to memories of this happening before in the hippocampus. The amygdala is connected to the hypothalamus, and then this stress response is able to be triggered in simple terms. Um, so yeah, let me know if that answered your question, but I'm going to talk I'm going to talk a little bit more about the long-term effects of stress because your body being on under this much stress all the time is not good for your body at all. <laughs> um so when we think of long-term stress, we all know that there are tons of consequences of that there are you know cardiovascular disease um different mental health issues related to being under long-term stress constantly um you know this is going to increase our blood pressure our heart rate um have a lot of cardiovascular effects um affects the blood affect lipids affect um, you know, and then all of that in turn affects obesity, heart attack, things like that. Um, as well, there are immune effects, which I'm not going to completely be able to get into, but cortisol, the hormone I told you about earlier, that comes from the adrenal gland that is part of the hormonal stress response. It is really tied to the immune system. And when you have like an excess of cortisol in your body, that is going to create inflammation. And over time, with this system continually activated, um, you're gonna have you're gonna have an impaired stress response. You are going to be activated, potentially activated by almost everything, um, which is an issue. And then an inability to tone down your stress response after chronic stress and an inability to tone the stress response down that is going to create you know kind of chronic anxiety depending on what situation caused this it could be related to ptsd it can be related to depression um because of these effects with cortisol 
as well as chronic stress effect on the nervous system, which um, to break down, I'm going to generally just say this, to break down those cells of the nervous system, our neurons, it's going to break down our neurons and the way they communicate between each other, as well as the growth of new neurons that happens as well. Um, There are also studies that have shown that chronic stress shrinks the size of different brain areas, which obviously does not sound good. (laughs) Um, So that is a factor, a factor as well. Um, And I think someone asked before kind of like what, what if you feel stressed all of the time and it's triggered all the time. I think I kind of touched on that with saying, you know, maybe look at, look at your past, look at your triggers, like maybe you have an kind of impaired stress response. Like you are being triggered by everything and it's not just that the stress response is continually happening, but you're not able to, with hormones, there's this thing called negative feedback. You're not able to tamp down this cortisol response and the epinephrine and norepinephrine. So you're constantly feeling mobilized and on edge. Cortisol also plays into our sleep and has a relationship with melatonin, which we all probably know now because melatonin is sold everywhere. Um, So this could have a lot of potentially bad effects (laughs) in the body. Um, And as far as in the moment ways to help with your stress response, I would say, like I said before, just having awareness um, and, and taking shame away from anxiety as well, that this is a process in your body that biologically and evolutionarily was made to help you. Um, so there shouldn't be any shame or any stigma in anxiety. And it's, it's getting to know your mind and your body and your triggers and, you know, getting curious with yourself on what is, what is triggering all of these feelings and thoughts and stress. Um, as well, another thing I just wanted to say is I talked before about um, this having an effect on your blood pressure and also having effects on breathing. I think my roommate is making a smoothie, so I'm sorry if you can hear that. But um, yeah, another thing you can do that is really effective in the moment of stress is breath work. So your breathing has the ability to slow down your heart rate. So breathing practices can be really important in you know dealing with the effects of stress in that moment when you are triggered when the mountain lion is is probably not when the mountain lion is chasing you because you probably just want to get away but when you're triggered by your thoughts and that's going to be you know taking a deep breath in through your nose breathing through your mouth and making sure the breath through your mouth is a longer period of time than the breath in your nose so that could look like you know, breathing in for two breaths, like through your nose and then breathing, holding and breathing out for four. Something you can do in that moment. There's also been research connecting this to our our vision as well, which is super interesting. Um, 
I wanted to say up top as well, if any of you guys do not follow um, Andrew Huberman, who has created a huge platform talking about neuroscience and sharing that with the public, and I have so much respect for him, definitely follow him because he talks about a lot of these topics in such an amazing way that everyone can understand. I really appreciate that. So definitely check him out. But as far as vision, um, there's some research on, there's this thing called panoramic vision. So like looking at landscapes versus looking at small details of something. And it's been shown that looking at like a landscape or like widening your visual field makes you less stress versus looking like at small details of something makes you more stressed. So that's another trick. Um, as far as long-term, long-term chronic, chronic stress, if you're continually feeling like this all the time, I would say, um, self, self-awareness, self-discovery, as well as getting your hormones tested, as well as going to a therapist, going to a psychiatrist and, you know, working on these triggers and what is happening in your brain (laughs) that is affecting your body and your response. Um, So yeah, now I just kind of wanted to talk about epigenetics and how this also plays into the stress response. So epigenetics, what, what is that? Um, And I, I feel like most people have probably heard about genetics. They know what that is. They know what DNA is. You know, that is our our biological code for, you know, the way we look, the way our body operates, the way, you know, our organs operate. Like it is it is this blueprint of who we are and how we operate, basically. Um, So epigenetics is technically called above the genome and epigenetics is basically how your genetic code can change based on life circumstances. So this, think of this, this explains why identical twins with the exact same genome can have different life experiences, can have different um, diseases, different weights, different personalities, like all of these things reflect how in our lifetime, we can affect which genes are expressed. So think of it as you have this blueprint, but certain factors in our body affect what is expressed in this blueprint. So it's not just as easy as this simple code, but life experiences, diet, you know, stress and trauma, things that happen when we are in our, you know, inside of our mother, um, in utero affects what is expressed as well. Please ask me questions if you have any questions, because I know this is a little bit confusing. Um, and I also just want to say, we, we think about, oh, my mom and dad, I get a little bit of their genetic code. And I just want to say it's, it's not as simple as that. We also get their epigenetic code. So we get the expression of their genes and how certain genes are turned on and off 
as well, which is interesting. And something that's interesting about that is research on transgenerational trauma that we inherit epigenetic changes, not just from our mother and our father, but multiple generations. So that's interesting. We interpret or we inherit all of these different effects on the genome from our family. And I guess in explaining that, it can sound a little bit like, how do I say this? It can sound like a little bit like doom and gloom. Like, oh, I just get all the stuff that my parents have given me and I like can't do anything about it. And like all of those different things. But this is also, this is a good thing. This is an amazing thing because the genes we are given are not the genes we are stuck with. We have the ability to change what is expressed in our in our genes. Um, and just some ideas or some ways that, I just want to say too, in science, we don't fully, fully, fully understand how we do this. There are some things that have been researched, but there is so much more to know. So, so we're able to, to change our genome through our life experience. That can be, that can be through, you know, diet, exercise, our lifestyle. Um, We can impact it negatively by going through trauma and severe stress. Um, We can impact and change it through therapy, through talk therapy, through medications, um, you know, talking about things, talking about things and going to therapy has the effect to change our gene expression, which I think is really, really cool. Um, So yeah, I think that's super interesting. Something I just wanted to mention as well, kind of related to these topics, is that um, there's a lot of interesting research on epigenetics and when you are in utero and on maternal nutrition as well as environmental exposures, and those can also affect your epigenome while you are inside of your mother growing. So, you know, exposure to certain chemicals, um, your mother being really stressed when she had you or her under eating or overeating. But a lot of the studies have been on overeating, um, under eating. I mean, a lot of the studies have been on under eating and not getting enough nutrition and what effect that would have on a baby. Um, So, yeah, I think I kind of explained what epigenetics are and just want to say that it is transgenerational. It is not just the epigenetic markers from your parents. It is from multiple generations and that is getting passed down. Um, and how does this play into what I said before about stress? Like how are the two, how are the two related? And then I will answer the question about DMT, which I, I find really funny, but, um, yes. How does this play into stress? So, you can inherit your family member's impaired stress response system. So, you know, we know there's a genome. There is a gene that codes for the receptor. If you know what a receptor is, a gene that recodes 
that codes for the receptor for cortisol that is involved in the stress response generally. Um, and that also controls tamping the stress response down and not having it actively running all the time, like someone asked before. So you can inherit an impaired stress response system from your family. There have been studies that have shown on this gene, you can inherit those epigenetic changes to this gene that make your stress response not work properly. So say before you were born, when your mom was in, when your mom was 21 and having a good time, um, some horrible traumatic event happened to her. She didn't take the time to heal, potentially reverse those epigenetic changes. She gets pregnant. She has you. You struggle with anxiety, depression, whatever it might be, because you have inherited a stress response system that does not work very well. <laughs> so you are constantly stressed and triggered by multiple things. So that's kind of how epigenetics and stress play into one another. But if anyone else has any more questions, you can definitely ask them. Um, but I guess I will address the DMT question because that's kind of funny. But um, yeah, let me see exactly what he asked about DMT. Um, would you recommend DMT? This person's probably not even on anymore, but I will, I will answer that. Um, I don't really know how to answer that. I don't recommend anyone doing drugs unless they want to of any kind. Um, what I am really interested in and excited about is research on psychedelics and mental health. You know, DMT is a psychedelic. It is an ayahuasca, if anyone knows what that is. But I do really support research on psychedelics for PTSD and depression and how that has an effect in the healing process um, and how that has an effect in stress and things like that. But that is definitely a whole other topic. And if people are interested, I can do Instagram lives like specifically on psychedelics and how they affect your brain as well as any other drugs. <laughs> on a lighter note, Sunday brunch, sweet or salty? Definitely salty. But um, yeah, I'm probably going to get off because I, I, like, I feel like I've just talked about a lot of science for like 40 minutes. <laughs> um. All these people are joining right now and I'm about to leave. But um, yeah, if you have any more questions, feel free to ask them now. Anything about stress, epigenetics, if you haven't heard what I was talking about before, this will be saved. Seriously, if you have any questions, I would love feedback. Um, just for anyone that's not familiar with these topics on anything that was unclear, I love to talk about this. It is kind of challenging to talk about it on a level that everyone can understand so yeah i just appreciate like everyone that joined and if you have any questions please reach out to me um and yeah i'll do more of these lives on neuroscience soon and thank you guys so much for joining <laughs> oh i thought i was gonna see a question but bye